Hey, everybody. This is Zach. This is uh, Mr. Sherbert. <laughs> yeah, I saw welcome. that reference in there. I was like, I don't know what that's from, but it's a very hilarious name tile. <laughs> Mr. Sherbert is uh, the avatar I made um, when I go outside and crush little insects. He's been with me. No, he's uh, the avatar <laughs> I made within Mario Kart. Um, and I just, I like, I like him. He's a... Uh, doesn't look anything like me. He has like sherbet colored hair and like sherbet colored beard. And his <laughs> eyes, his eyes just stare forward into like sleepy <laughs> nothingness. Like his yeah. eyes, he's not fully awake. He's like, they're kind of a little bit closed in, and, yeah. but he just stares out continuously. Um, <laughs> and he's vicious. Like Mr. Sherbert will blue shell and red shell his wife all day long. Um <laughs> and destroy anyone who's a family member. He doesn't care. He's just, he needs to be in front. And that's all Mr. Sherbert cares about. Yeah. <laughs> well, today we're talking about the Resident Evil film, Welcome to Raccoon City. Um, but first, <laughs> me, me, me's. Uh, do you have anything you would like to talk about first? Uh, n no, you go first. Okay. Um, so I got four things. I, I think they'll be pretty quick. Well, one of them might take a while, but, um, yeah. So the, one of the things that we watched, I guess, in keeping with the spooky theme is, uh, the Munsters, the Rob Zombie film. Interesting. It's, it's actually really good. <laughs> um, it bombed because again, like, I think I said it when I saw, saw it advertised first as, who the fuck else watches the monsters or knows the monsters today? Um, I yeah. mean, I remember watching those episodes when I was a kid. Um, my wife got really into them during the pandemic, I think. But, uh, yeah, Maybe I feel like the audience is, is definitely the people who watched like reruns now, you know? Yeah. I had a Nick at Night kind of thing. I saw them on like local access TV, you know, during the day. Yeah, well, like, but but also the people who were original fans didn't know it was coming out. Like, I remember right before it was released, I was picking up something at Target in this, I want to say guy maybe in his late 50s or early 60s, like, stopped me because I was in my wife's car. And at the time, she had a, uh, uh, like, a window decal of Herman and Lily. Mm -hmm. And he's like, is that a monster sticker? And I go, yes. And he's like, it's really good to see that young people are into the monsters still. And I was <laughs> like, well, you know, there's a movie coming out. And he goes, what? And so I had to mm -hmm. explain to him, one, who Rob Zombie is. Two, this movie was in color. And apparently there was a whole thing with one of the specials being in, in color on the, orig the original show. And three, yeah, it's not coming to theaters. It's like, well, I don't do any of the streaming services, so I'll probably miss it. And it's like, okay, so that tells me that this movie was not, like, advertised very well. Um, yeah, no. But it's like every other, like, Rob Zombie movie. Like, there's a lot of care put into it. He, he's a fan of the property, of the, of, of the thing that he's making. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the impressions of the character, like, the, the people playing their counterparts in this movie... For who they will be on the show because it is a prequel mm -hmm. um they're doing very good character work and impression work uh for those people 
Um, it is PG. I think that killed a lot of it because I feel like a lot of people. I know I was expecting like, oh, is this going to be a Rob Zombie thing where it's like a white trash like hillbilly gang that comes to town and there's there's lots of fucking <clears throat> fighting. Am I going to have to watch Herman Munster fuck is really the question. <laughs> you, your brain asked first. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, like when, when the first trailers came out, like that, that weren't like just collections of production stills um, and they had the rating attached to it, it was PG. And I was like, that's really weird. But okay, I guess it fits. You know, this isn't like a hardcore property we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I I recommend that if anyone's looking for something that's that's like spooky adjacent, like if you're in the mood to see like a like a Scooby Doo Ghoul School thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but not like a full on horror movie. So I was watching it because I, I watched maybe three quarters of it or something. Yeah. Potentially or half of it. And I was just, I was for me as a, as someone who watched the series sort of originally, um, it had a, there's a, a little bit of like PG, like spooky environment, sort of theatric to it. Yeah. Um, but you really had a lot more of like, uh, not really like a father knows best vibe, but Herman yeah. Munster would do a little bit of moralizing, you know, or stories and talking yeah. to his kids. And so it, it really fit the the mold of a show at that yeah. period of time. Like you could have watched another sort of family sitcom that would have had like a similar kind of vibe. This just had a little bit of like dressing, a little bit of spooky vibe, a little bit of camp, you know? Yeah. Um and you know having anybody to have to play herman munster again um when basically (laughs) that character's just been so like i can hear his laugh i can hear his face hear everything about him just from that experience because he's just played in a very expressive and uh expressive kind of way and he also he specifically doesn't really fit the mold of I would say a dad at that time, you know, like a televised dad, like his mirth, like his warmth, you know, so physically imposing of a person, but that's never translated to, which also plays into the whole Frankenstein kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Well, like even Gomez on the Adams family, like he's kind of warm, but he's more of the like screwball dad that doesn't really know what's going on or whatever. He's not like, very engaged with his kids if you watch mm-hmm. those older episodes yeah yeah and you'd have to um you know you definitely would would get that vibe from him like talking to his kids or like listening to problems and that was uh i guess kind of refreshing for that period of time because you just didn't have a lot of father oh, figures yeah. kind of portrayed that way um yeah. and so you get a little bit of that except he's not really in a fatherly role so i think for me it was um it was a little, I, I guess my expectation just didn't know like where I was gonna, I was trying to engage with the material, you know? Yeah. Cause then I sat down and I'm like, okay, I don't know what this is gonna be. And then I saw kind of what it was and I was like, okay, I kind of get this. And then 
but it's outside of the format of it's kind of oh, yeah. when you have like uh, a South, the South Park movie, especially the Simpsons movie where you have a, a story that takes place within a particular format and then you take it out of that format and it's like, okay, well, how do we, how do we do this? And I think it was maybe less of, less of the work itself, but more my expectation of viewing the material in the past and then bringing that to that film format to where it was like, Oh, okay. Well, I'm not really sure how it, how I sort of feel about this. Um, and but uh, there's a lot that's that's well done in it. Um, I think a prequel for me, a prequel always seems like a hard sell from a storyline perspective. It it does. Like I had that same criticism for. I, and I don't know if you and your wife watched this, but the um, CG Adams Family that came out a couple mm-hmm. years ago, like because it's a prequel, mm-hmm. it's. It's it's got a lot to live up to. Cause one, because also that property's been adapted multiple times, so, yeah. so it's always kind of an uphill battle. Um, yeah. I guess unless you're doing something like The Purge or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's just hard because with something like The Purge, you you're watching the story, you know, because I've yeah. seen the original film uh, like randomly, maybe <laughs> eight months ago for some reason I was watching it, probably just right before my. Uh, a little bit probably a little bit before that because that would have been would have been before my daughter was born because there's no way i'm just watching a movie randomly after she's born that doesn't happen <laughs> um so i was watching the movie and it's like oh okay i see the mechanic here you know yeah. um but you also have questions in your head with a storyline like like the purge that could be yeah that's naturally embedded in your head like oh how did this happen like how did we get here like, how did this end up being like the resolution that they chose? So there's enough meat there that a prequel makes sense because it, it it naturally where your mind leads. But if you're watching something that's like the prequel to the Munsters or the Adams Family, you're not really asking yourself while you're watching it, like, how did everybody get here? You know, <laughs> what's the storyline that led these people together? That's not a natural, like, at least for me, like a tension. No, no. So then, then you have the challenge. I think of okay, as as a viewer, um, and really as like on the writer side of it is where the real challenge is. As a writer, okay, how do I get people engaged and interested with this this story at this place with this cast of characters that they like within a specific situation or circumstance? Take them out of that situation or circumstance and still have them engaged. Uh, Cause that's yeah. to me, every time I hear a prequel, I'm just like, good luck, you know, because yeah, like- unless, <laughs> uh, unless you're naturally have like, Oh, I want to see how they sort of got here. Um, it it's, you have to whole cloth make new hooks for the story to kind of bring people in, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Like you've got to answer some questions that people want answers to. Like if, if you made a movie where it's just like in the year 2050 computers are illegal it's like wait what mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> how did we get there <laughs> yep. um so yeah that i i mean i do recommend it it's it's a fun popcorn movie um 
if you just want something mindless to watch and there's always a place for that on my shelf <laughs> what? Um, that's most of your shelf <laughs> uh so moving on something that's in my digital shelf because i put it on prime and I, this is the one that i think is going to have a lot of conversation and i want to head it off with the pass by saying that yes i think this movie is fun but i also have some deep criticisms of this movie that well really one just one big criticism of this movie um is we watched the super mario brothers movie um the the cg one that came out with with um the crispy critter doing the voice of of uh mario crispy critter i never heard him did i say that. that you said crispy critter oh I, <laughs> i've been calling him that because i saw someone refer to him as crisp rat oh okay um, crisp oh, rat. So, so in my head i've just been calling him crispy critter because i think it's funny um yeah that feels, so like, I that guess, feels like an insult that doesn't really land like oh yeah, yeah crisp it, rat uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just stick with it, I guess. Okay. Um, which, I mean, I, I gotta be honest, like, his voice work was not as bad as those first trailers. Um, yeah, it wasn't they, distracting. They, it wasn't too Like, much, they too went distracting. back and obviously put some more vocal passes uh, and, and filters over it to, to mm-hmm. change the quality some, so it's not just Chris Pratt talking as Mario. I... I i don't know it's the 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 criticism that i have really is that it's a big movie of um i think i was texting you this it's a big movie made up of member berries like it's just hey remember this thing from the video game (laughs) moving on here's this thing from the video game moving on (laughs) yeah Um, uh, it's interesting i wasn't not entertained um but i don't know i feel like the uh, the bob hoskins ones that, that we talked about a while back <laughs> has a little bit more um creative energy behind it well it's definitely more interesting um yeah well sure. like this one this one i think what what ties into my criticism of it is that like this one seems like nintendo maybe learned their lesson from that bob hoskins one where if you recall they were just like yeah we don't care whatever go for it and in this past they were like no we need to rubber stamp everything (laughs) yeah it was a very very safe movie is what i would say it's Mm -hmm. extremely extremely safe um which uh if you have material that people already like and you deliver it in a safe manner you're gonna kind of you're gonna kind of hit a hit enough of that middle of the road crowd um and uh i i walked out of the theater um i went to go see this with my wife um and i remember another parent couple came out with their kid and the first thing they said when they looked at each other was like man it's just that was just like a really clean movie and she was and the dad and the mom were like, you know, there was just like nothing we got to, nothing we had to explain to the kids afterwards. And in my head, I'm just what? like, 
concerned about having to explain to their child after the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> so that strikes me, right? Just listening to this little brief exchange, I'm going to extrapolate a lot more than is actually there, right? That tells me that they have gone to movies with their kids that it was like, uh, you know, Betty's Buxom Baddies. <laughs> in... in in sex palace land. And then they have come out and be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe all like the adult content that was there or that the kind of parents like that would problem. Yeah. Or, or the kind of parents that would go take their kids to like the first scary movie and not realize that, okay, this is not, it's not going to beat your kind of family kind of content. Cause I guess they have this again, extrapolating much more than this, that's, than that's actually there. This idea that, okay, uh, people are going to make things just off the bat that should yeah. just fit like their families. Like when they go to like an establishment and they're like, oh, yeah, it just wasn't really like a place that we could take the kids. And it's just like some dive bar, you know, this. Yeah. Like, did you do no due diligence? Other, My, other, uh... other people's <laughs> existence should not have to conform to your standards. The most egregious example I've seen of this recently is yeah. uh, my, my wife has a coworker who um, took uh, their kids, like all under like 13, um, to uh, a beach destination. And they decided to go to like Miami beaches. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh my God, it's just, it's not the kind of place that you can take kids. Cause he's like, and it's like, have you, have you even just done a Google search at of all? Miami beach. <laughs> of Miami beach to realize like barely their pasties and like songs Micro that had beans. long disappeared, yeah. you know, way inside. Like you just had, you had no clue. Like you didn't even take five minutes to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. So we're back. So yeah. Um, yeah, do do your due diligence if you're uncomfortable with something going on or don't think it's a an appropriate environment or something like I don't know, don't make that everyone else's problem. Like either go with the flow or or don't go there. <laughs> it's not for you. Yeah. It's funny cuz I know that's exactly the the experience that Nintendo would want the parents yeah. to have exiting the theater. That like was okay, a clean, everything nice was movie. everything was safe. This is a clean, it's just so hard to find a clean movie nowadays that are just like, oh gosh. Oh man. (laughs) You know, I just, I don't see when, when you can literally just access all of information at your fingertips to have, to have a complaint about something wasn't what you expected, you know? Yeah, well, because like how many you just you have no excuse. How many layers do we have no. now of of um, especially with movies, right? Like there's mm-hmm. the MPAA rating. They have the Chiron that lets you know exactly why it's rated that thing, so you know mm-hmm. going into it whether or not it's appropriate for your seven year old. Um, no, I mean I just remember being kind of freaked out and horrified kind of when we um i think it was the remake or not the remake the reboot of evil dead like in theaters 
there was this person there Mm -hmm. with like their seven year old (laughs) and and it's like fucking christ like why would you do that (laughs) that kid's gonna have if they're especially if they're a sensitive child they're gonna have some issues I still think about the the blade cutting of the tongue. Yeah. And I can never, that's something I can't, I'll never forget yeah. that. Or when she has to like chop off her own well, arm. Like if you're the least bit diligent, you would like make the kids like do the visor thing, right? And like, like cover mm-hmm. their eyes or whatever. But it's like, that's just, kids just going to be sitting there in the dark, hearing these horrible noises and not looking at a screen. Uh-huh. Like you can't, you're yeah. enveloped in sound in a movie theater. And so... <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I feel like, like, I don't want to hate on someone for wanting to like go out to the movies and stuff, but like, mm. I don't know. That movie came out in 2013. Netflix was around. Yeah. It's cheaper than a movie ticket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, man. YouTube exists. I don't know. Just maybe don't take a seven year old to see evil dead. <laughs> yeah. It's that. I'll never forget the little slit through. Ooh. Yeah. That, that that one is movie. a uh, is a fun movie <laughs> yeah um so yeah the i mean that's that's uh, a rambling way of saying that super mario brothers movie is is sure is a movie it's it's it is it's a movie about a property it's a movie about a property and that's um i mean the peaches song is funny but I, I don't know why mm-hmm. it was blowing up the internet to be honest that's that's just a tenacious d song <laughs> <laughs> minus, yeah that's that's jack black Karen yeah minus point. minus a verse about cock push-ups and um mm. <laughs> making it with princess beach is bowser um that's that's a tenacious yeah. d song <laughs> yeah i'm i'm really uh I'm hoping over some time maybe they'll kind of relax a little bit so at least we get kind of because one of the things is i felt there wasn't really a lot of humor that uh you'd get in some uh, children's media that like hits for the adults a little bit different than it does for the Mm -hmm. kids but it's still entertaining on both levels there wasn't really any of that i mean other than that little star bright i forget what they're called that little loom (laughs) honestly the most uh, relatable character in a movie i've seen in a while (laughs) how uh, you know, I could have an argument could be made that that's how I felt in the theater, where I was just like, "Sweet, Sweet release." release. <laughs> and you yeah. know that character's just there for the, the like the memes and TikTok content because like the the shocking yeah. thing about that character is not what he's saying, but the voice that he has mm-hmm. while he's saying it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, oh, it's man. it's you know, it's definitely a movie. Um. It's yeah. fun. It wasn't offensive. Very, very safe. Very safe. Yeah, very um, safe. And then, let's see. I have two things left. So one of them um, is something that no one will be able to see. So I'll, I'll do that one because it'll be quicker. Um, I just need to vent some some anger at Disney. Um, this will also Uh-oh. date when we're recording this, but I, I don't care. <laughs> so Disney Plus... Uh, did the the discovery max thing and deleted just a fuck ton of content like it's not available oh yeah so one of the things that was in my queue that i was planning on watching as soon as our netflix runs out because we're not going to re-up on netflix 
um, is mm-hmm. just because there's nothing on there now. Um, that's interesting that, that I care to see rather, um, or my wife cares to see, um, is, is the Willow TV show. Cause it came out like maybe five, six months ago. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. was according to the numbers that they released the sixth most streamed thing in November of 2022. And they're mm-hmm. just like, yeah, it didn't do good enough. So I, mm-hmm. I watched all of it. There's there's definitely some issues with it, you know, like that, like there's some some things that that put it in the category of what I, I would refer to as like a CW TV show. Like it's it's very much a story about, you know, pretty teens and their problems, pretty people in their 20s and their problems. Um. Oh, my heart goes out to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's it was still like way better than than any it had any right to be, considering it's it's um, a TV show based on Willow that hasn't had any follow up other than a Chris Claremont book series. Um, it was honestly way better than the in my opinion and then the um boba fett show on star wars it's like if you're gonna delete something delete the boba fett show shit (laughs) i can't do that though that would be a a black eye for them man that boba fett show really could have been something um that i also feel is um a victim of too safe too safe but also not a lot of clarity that I can tell they had as to what they wanted to do. So there's a comedian I follow who has a, who tweeted out a thing when, when Boba Fett was on the air and he's like, I can't believe that you put out an eight episode season of a show and the two best episodes are episodes of another show. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Some of really good episodes episodes of this other show. The Mandalorian. (laughs) They were and they're they're standout yeah. episodes. Uh, <laughs> so it's, but yeah, no, the the Willow show is great. Uh, like hilarious. it was set up for a second season um, that we'll never get. It's kind of cool. Uh, that really the main complaints that I saw online were really just like older white dudes who have a problem with gay people and brown people in their media because it's mm-hmm. it's. Like it, it's a pretty diverse cast, and the storyline involves mm-hmm. two women who can't be with each other, but who both want to be with each other. So, like, yeah, it's it's a fairly gay show as well, and it's like this this is a weird decision, Disney. You this show just came out, and you're deleting it now, and it's one of the only shows you've put out with like I don't know gay people in it. <laughs> Seems weird. Mm-hmm especially right before pride. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, um, yeah, yeah, it's good. And no one will be able to watch it now. <laughs> so no one can say that I'm wrong about that. <laughs> right now, someone's going to, I can hear uh, the, clacking the pirate the Bay. Right <laughs> yeah. Pirate Bay number 305.com 
whatever they're up to now. I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the federal agents it, just there so they can are complain. going to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Who are just itching to catch yeah. you on behalf of corporate corporations or are just itching to tell me I'm yeah. wrong. Um, yeah, I I remember the trailers for that um, in some of the initial press, yeah. and um, I was like, oh okay, uh, the can there's some chemistry here that was funny uh, as far as that little commercial. I, I I watched I watched Willow very very young, and so it's uh, it's more like an impression of someone walking through yeah. the woods. Than it is like me remembering anything about the narrative. Oh yeah, no. Well, and and it's it's kind of off the wall, and it's a weird choice for them to do. But that that's kind of in my wheelhouse of things that I like. Like you know me. Like they took a chance on something and they swung for the fences, and it's like, well, it's different at least. <laughs> I enjoy that it's different and it's expanding on this universe that that they've already built that they've done little to nothing with. Um. I mean, yeah. why, like, I, I understand that they bought Lucasfilm for Star Wars, and, well, no, they're having to, to co-do some stuff uh, to get Indiana Jones. They bought Lucasfilm for Star Wars, but, like, Lucasfilm has, like, the games that they put out in the 80s and 90s. They have, they have Willow, <laughs> and I think they're just scared of doing anything with it. Yeah. Um which is a shame um because again it, it's better than it had any right to be considering that they they put out a movie <laughs> you know 40 years ago <laughs> yeah i guess i guess for me every time i uh i think of willow uh it's next to uh the synapses that hold legend and uh legend is such a stronger the legend is so good like a, it's such a stronger impression of a movie. Never have I been like, you know what? This villain just needs to win. I know. Like, <laughs> come on, D. You've got the power. But, yeah. What a weirdo. It, that um, that movie is fantastic. Oh, that, that might have to go into our rotation <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, it's a Ridley Scott movie with Tom Cruise at the height of his powers with tim curry mm -hmm. <laughs> and then yeah. mia sarah is um you know that 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 movie sounds like uh like a chat gpt prompt you would uh enter yeah. in try to create a script <laughs> or ridley scott with tom cruise at the height of his powers <laughs> with tim curry as a very sexy devil like the sexiest devil in huge film? horns yeah, huge horns horns no, no, bigger, bigger than you're thinking. They're bigger than that. Whatever you're imagining, it's too small. It's at least three times bigger than that. This, they're the size of Tim Curry's spirit. That's how big they need to be. Um, yeah, no, that that's that that movie is fantastic. I I could do with a rewatch of that. Um, and then I guess the last thing that I'll talk about, um is we cut through the Eurovision 2023 song contest because this also dates when we're recording this. Um, oh, my heavens. Now, we watched the the replays because um, it, it aired, you know, uh, just a, a few weeks ago, um, but, or a couple weeks ago. Um, I think that's what I would prefer because it looks like they do a complete stage 
rework in between songs. Uh, either that or they have a very fast tech crew um, doing things. Um, but it's... Yeah, the, the song that I thought should win won. Um, it's been stuck in my head. I have the soundtrack that they put out of all 37 participants <laughs> on wow. order. Um, yeah, it's... it's um, it's really fun and it sucks that America doesn't have anything like this. Although, you know, my wife was also pointing out half of it would be country and then half of the people watching that would complain because the other performers were too good. Like, yeah, yes, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think stylistically it's interesting because there's a, at least for everything that I've seen, there is a um, there is an electronic element to the music, but there's also like a very heavy thematic, like rock opera kind of vibe. Not specifically like stylistically, but like in presentation. Yeah, there, there's a lot of um, um, stage work worked into every performance. Yeah. Um, which makes sense, um, you know, because you want to put on a show. It's just the if you think about the American equivalent, uh, like the mass singer, you know. Yeah. It's like okay. <laughs> well, like so. Well, so it's funny because we were talking, and it's like, huh? Because the the way they have it on, and you can stream it on Peacock now. Um, for the listeners that mm. that are not aware, um, you do not have to have a VBC account to watch it. Um. But. It's so it's three nights. It's um, part one of the semifinals to determine ten of the ten of the the countries that are going. Part two semifinals to determine another ten that are going on a separate night with a night in between, and then the night in between that is the final where it's twenty countries plus. They said that there's a big five that I'm guessing they're the the biggest listenership for it and so they they just get automatically a contestant in there they don't have to qualify and it's it's england germany spain france and italy um plus the previous year's contestant that won um and i don't know if they perform the same song as they they did the year before or not um but some of the the parameters of it is that um however they determine this i'm sure it's it's based on area codes or or phone numbers for the app because you can vote on the app um you can't vote for the same country that you're in so you like you can't the biggest country is not going to win necessarily <laughs> um mm -hmm. but the neat thing is because there's a night between it i'm i'm like i'm almost positive this is because people party too hard and got progressively worse in the competition <laughs> um oh, is man. that the people like the winner has to perform their song three times and so it it does focus on like an amateur could qualify for it because it's just like it's performances like in, in the year in between there are regional performances in the country where people who would go to that sort of thing submit their work, go perform, and they get whittled down and until there's there's an act that goes to the big competition, right? It's like any other show that that that, that happens to or happens for. Um, 
but like it it does speak to a level of i think professionalism and putting on the show um that you kind of have to have to to be a strong contender there because like the person that won played to the qualifying round for the in the semifinals played in the finals and then when they announced their win they had to perform it a third time and this is after having performed it twice already but also having sat around and <clears throat> gone through the like i guess emotional turmoil of like being on the edge of your seat for like an hour as they're announcing the rankings and then finding out you're number one and then it's like and that's just our jury vote now we're going to go by countries for people in those countries that voted and having to sit on that and them being the last ones to find out their final number <laughs> because they scored the highest right they start with the lowest score and go to the highest score um and so yeah having that and you know this camera crews following them around uh while they're making their way to the stage and and like you can see on their face that they're frazzled and like emotionally drained very happy but still very emotionally drained and then having yeah. to play it another time <laughs> yeah that'd be like uh winning an award at the academy awards and then they'd be okay now go on stage and let's now, do a yeah, scene let's do a scene uh let's Let's, yeah let's do a scene here in front of everybody you ready although i have All to right, be good. honest the 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 very final performance um that they did of of the song um is honestly probably the best of the three performances that we saw so i don't know again i think it speaks to a level of professionalism in artistry of like compartmentalizing yeah. and tamping that down and going okay this is this is what i'm here to do <laughs> yeah that's a whole uh, uh, approach to that and um, a craft. It's um, I watched a little bit with my wife as it was sort of making the rounds. Um, I don't. I don't know. Uh, there's something. Yeah. Uh, I also have usually have an issue with like musicals. Yeah. Um, so like Schmigadoon is a show that my wife has watched both seasons of yeah. so far, which is a musical show, um, where they're stuck in like this musical dimension. The first season has, um, the very happy sort of musicals, like early, uh, 20th century kind of yeah. stuff. Um, and for me, that's just so... I don't, I don't know if it's a personality thing for me, but like so much positivity and happiness, it's like, I can't hook into it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The second season of Schmigadoon is based more uh, like later periods. Um, it's more like a, really like a Chicago. So it has crime. Oh, okay. There's some yeah. blood. Um, and I was like, oh, this is, this is my jam. Uh, I can, I can yeah. get into this. Um, so I did remember seeing one performer that was almost like uh, vampiric in nature or something for during Eurovision, or it was like, there was a lot of red involved. Um, and I saw some of that performance and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, um, was that a little bit more Germany rocky. one maybe? 
Might have been Germany. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also, also don't watch a lot of it. It's not really, I don't know if that you'd really qualify that as reality TV. I guess if they follow them around as well to like film things, it's almost on the point of like a comp, more like a competition yeah, it's more show. Like a competition, but it's not like, it's not like a season of it. It's like specifically three yeah. nights. Um, yeah but like the final night because of the voting and all this other stuff it's like jesus christ four and a half hours <laughs> yeah that's uh um, that's a healthy but yeah well and the other thing that i noticed too is that like i would hate to be there and obviously not be anyone's favorite because during the final, like, there's some people, like, I feel so bad for, um, I mean, spoilers, Germany does not win. They're the lowest scoring ones. Um, but on the scale, like, to give you an example, there's 37 countries voting and each jury gets a set of points where 12 is the highest category. It's like 12, 10, 8, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, right, that they can assign to to certain performances and so they tally the votes up with juries and so the scale of the person who has first place combined with this however they determine the points for the call-in voters or just the viewers who, who vote from certain countries is like the person in first won by like having 560 points right germany sitting there with 18 points <laughs> Like when they got to the jury, the uh, the um, audience vote, I think they were like, and Germany has three points and it bumps them up to 18 and they're having to sit there and go, yay, thank you. All right. <laughs> it's like, man, that would be so tough. <laughs> I mean, it is like going there is an honor because going there does spike um sales of the singles so they get royalties on that and so like it, that th there is some some um financial benefit to them like you but still that would be so oh, yeah. tough to sit, have to sit there for two hours of voting and be like i have 18 points and number one has 560 <laughs> yeah I, I just had to look up how often uh, germany has won eurovision it's probably not very high uh, it's just two times and they're statistically haven't had a um a lot of points and so you're like naming the big five countries there and i'm like mm, i could see why these countries historically wouldn't be voting for germany um, well so i didn't know that but yeah the whole reason it was designed is to kind of unite europe after world war ii mm -hmm. um i had no clue that that was the origin of it. which is an amazing, amazing gestation mm -hmm. uh, for something like Eurovision oh, yeah. now. Um, well, um, yeah, so I did not watch any um, big song contests, uh, <laughs> but uh, I do I do enjoy that Will Ferrell movie that's, you know, based on the Eurovision. That contest. movie is fantastic. Oh, much it's much better than than you would expect you know initially yeah because again it. i um, hate will ferrell 
that movie is one that mm-hmm. I have seen at least ten times. Um, just because I got nothing better to do, I'll put it on and go, ha this is awesome. Yeah, I feel like, uh, was it Ray, what, whatever Rachel her name McAdams? is? I don't know her name. Rachel McAdams, yeah. Um, I feel like her charm, her dynamic kind of tames and sort of, uh, at least for me with that kind of character, you know, cause he's kind of off the wall, you know, he's playing kind of his, his notes, his range. Um, yeah. But her engagement with him as like an actor and as like a character sort of validates, you know, him and his yeah. responses. So like, she'll be like out of it, but she's still able to like engage with that, which is hard, you know, because sometimes you get, you get Will Ferrell and somebody else, you know, I'm not going to name a cast of people and they're just going to build up, yeah. you know, they're building up yeah. off of each other. Whereas here, I feel like with her, Rachel McAdams, she kind of grounds yeah. that. And so it, he feels less like a caricature um, other than just like, oh, this guy has a has a thing, you know, he's dealing through some stuff. But um, I don't know, it, it makes a little bit more engagement, at least with, with a film, like an emotional yeah. level. Um, and regardless of, you know, how ridiculous the premise is or any of the kind of uh, stuff that happens. Um, I still love the little... Um, was it the little the elves? Uh, elves? Yeah, the elves, the little trolls. Yeah, <laughs> amazing, amazing, completely unnecessary but hilarious. Uh, I just want one of those little houses in my front yard now. Um, yeah, you can bribe them in cigarettes and booze, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so all I've done is a bunch of crap, but um, as far as media. Finished up a couple recent shows. Um, yeah, we finished up Barry, that had a series finale recently. Um, interesting. They they did the last season as a sort of a time jump. Huh. Um, so they jumped forward in time a couple years, quite a few years. Um, I forget how old. Um, Barry's kid ends up being uh, becomes a central part of the plot um, later on in the, in the series right. finale. Um, but I, I feel like they sort of lost something with the jump. Um, what Because the, what they were really good at doing, and it's a story, uh, you know, story device like, like anything else on there. What they were really good at doing is having you follow these characters and have you engage with their mishaps and then like seeing how one person's action directly affected uh, sort of another person's action and just kind of the ping pong effect um, of that from like a story perspective. And so then you kind of take this break. And so people move further on down the line, but they don't really change, you know? Um, And maybe that's kind of the point. Um, they have little changes, but basically like their character essence is still there. Um, and so I kind of, I don't know, for me, it was, okay, is this really happening? Uh, cause the, the last season before there's a bit of, a Barry's in like a really interesting mental space and he's basically like, um, hallucinates after like an injury that he's having. 
Um, and so you have these like scenes uh, that play out that obviously aren't real. And then the environment that's that last season comes in looks a lot like that, but it's because, you know, Barry and Sally are kind of on the lam. And then you're not really sure where the season is going, like off the bat, because you're like, okay, well, what's what's going to happen here? Like, um, well, what am I here to yeah. see, you know? Um, and so I'll say that I, it just, it didn't really deliver in the way that I'd say the a lot of the other seasons did. Um, and I feel like if they had just con- kept it a little more connected and didn't have that break, again, this time break thing, an often used uh, narrative device, for me also like prequels, really difficult yeah. to do. Um, because you lose context, yeah. uh, which you also lose in, in a prequel format. You lose context, so you sort of have to, you have to have the, for me at least, in my very simple brain, you have to have the mystery element there. Like you have to have, okay, what's going on? Uh, where am I at? But you also have to do that in a way that really captures the the viewer's sure. attention, you know, um, or the reader's attention. And I don't feel like they they really did that as as much, because um, then especially Barry, uh, most of all the character, you're just you're more distanced away from him. Like he's trying to be something that he sort of isn't, and he's like sort of wandering back to it, um, to like kind of his usual motivations and character actions. But there's like this veneer that sort of separates. Yeah. I feel like. Um, and, um, so yeah, it wasn't, wasn't really as effective, uh, for me. And it's just kind of, you know, I saw the last episode and I was like, okay, yeah, I can see how this happens. Um, I can see how you guys wanted to get here, but, um, just didn't really hit, hit for me, um, which is okay. I mean, it's just a show, um, you know, it's not gonna, not gonna change my life. Um, so I'm not going to be too, I'm not the kind of person to be like too super upset about it, especially because with the format of the show, I think they're like half hour ish episodes. If I'm trying to remember Oh, so correctly. it's like sitcom level then. Um, it's not like drama. Okay. Yeah. So there's, yeah, it's usually really tight. You know, there's drama and stuff that happens, but this last season I think was eight episodes. Mm. Oh God. Um, so they, usually they go real tight real quick through, but they still happen to have a lot of punch. Um, and I feel like, uh, I came back for that punch, but just wasn't, wasn't really there for that last season in, in a lot of places. Um, yeah, he's a, he, and he's and, a hitman or serial killer in that one. Oh, he's okay. a hitman. Um, uh, like there's one interaction, especially that kind of brings to mind that, uh, Barry meets, the father of a police officer that he happened to kill because she found out, you know, who he was and he just, it was him or her. And for someone like him, it's obviously going to be her. Um, And so they finally meet. He's there. This guy is also really imposing, you know, fellow. Like he used to be like a, I believe like a former Sergeant or 
something. Um, and is retired, but it's just like no nonsense. You know, it's it the way that it's portrayed and set up is like an immovable object. You know, meets an unstoppable mm-hmm. force. Like they're both very imposing people that obviously know how to handle each other and have an understanding of of people's motivations. Um, but he ends up leaving because he thinks that okay, somebody else actually benefited from her murder that isn't buried, that person's the ultimate source. And so this thing that's been built up, you know, over, I'd say a season or two, um, it's just dissipated because Barry gets loose. You think, oh, maybe he's setting it up as like a game, you know, to like, oh, he's going to let Barry think he can get out and he can get away, uh, but he's really going to tamp down on him. Like he's messing with him psychologically, but no, he just left him and, Barry gets loose and leaves and they never interact again, you know? And so it's like this interaction that you see it. Yeah. You see it. uh, it, That's how the the episode ends where Barry gets captured by the father, you know, cloak over the head. This guy obviously knows what he's doing. He takes Barry out, brings him back to his garage. um, And then that just never happens. And so, it's, I, you can see it sometimes where people are like, oh yeah, you know, people would have this expectation, but we wanted to subvert that. And we thought this would be an interesting way to do that. Um, and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and I feel like in that case, it just, it didn't, um, at least for me. Um, and that show really thrived on um, kind of like dark, dark humor it did with also like some actual like really strong visceral uh, feelings of violence so to me it watching it kind of felt like a mashup of like better call Saul and like breaking bad um and so it was it felt like television too in that kind of vein and that sort of narrative arc as well because you initially start rooting for Barry you know he's the protagonist and then over time, you realize, actually, no, he's he's really a shitty person. Um, and he's not really honest with himself. And that's part of his biggest problem is that he thinks he's doing these things for this reason. But in reality, he's actually doing it for himself, you know, and these old personal reasons. Um, and projecting out, you know, what he thinks out into the world. And he's, he's not really seeing it that way. So follow this similar kind of arc like that. Um, I'd still have to say the first couple seasons are definitely up for a watch. And it's one of those things because you never feel like recommending someone to watch something. If um, one, if you know they're really critical yeah. of things. Um, and two, if like you feel, oh, they're going to have a really great build, but then they're just going to have that drop off <laughs> at the end like I did. Um, and there's there's still some interesting stuff in the last season. It just, ah, a little... A little disappointed. Um, and I think only that's just because I loved so much of what came before and it was so surprising, you know? Um, and someone who's seen a lot of media, like, oh, wow, yeah, I, I didn't see that coming. Or, wow, they really kind of got me. Yeah. Um, and uh, another show that's in the same vein, same line of thinking, uh, we also finished... Uh, this really intense show called Ted Lasso. <laughs> um, 
super intense i hear super intense of a show um which is they're really like uh uh you know at polar opposites of narratives um but i was watching um ted lasso some of the last last episodes and uh the headcanon that started because i was talking to my wife and i was like oh my god can you imagine if either way like you stuck barry berkman into the world of ted lasso <laughs> like the destruction that he would rain upon everyone and i was like i immediately want to see this i don't care that they're on separate like networks i don't care that they're separate environments i need to see this and that's that's the vein where uh, I have to wait for a really good fan fiction writer to just also agree with me. And it's possible because they both season finale the same year, uh, both very popular shows. How um, chat GPT-5, people? Oh, man, it would just be so amazing because I don't know which one I would want more. I feel like like when you have the, uh, the alternate universe um, – Elseworlds yeah. kind of thing where you can you can mix Batman with Superman, yeah. right? That's that's a flavor, yeah. right? Okay, but, <laughs> but Superman over Batman is yeah. different. All right, <laughs> you can take it real yeah. different. Um, and so for me, that feels that way. Like if I take Ted Lasso and I put him in the uh, the Barry Berkman Barry universe. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to get at the end because I feel like low key Ted Lasso would pull like a fucking Negan um, in the Barry Berkman universe. Like you would not fuck with him because the kind of mind that knows how to um, that kind that knows how to motivate, knows how people are motivated, knows how they work um, also knows like, how people are motivated and how they work right um and can break people down or influence them like ted lasso is a a force of positive good you know um you stick him anywhere you could stick that character in you know the shawshank redemption and we'd end up with uh, a musical comedy or something (laughs) um but uh to me i just i don't know whether i'd want barry in in Lasso, I think I just want both. Like I was saying, the two different flavors there. Uh, and that would be just be an amazing show. Um, Ted Lasso's talking with my wife and other people is an interesting show just in that um, it's so positive, uh, a narrative. And it, it, catches you, it catches you off guard, which is hilarious to say, you know, uh, out loud. Um, but something that is genuinely so positively tinged and like feel good is in its every fiber. It's like if you made a warm blanket into a show. I wonder if a lot of that has to do with the pandemic and people just wanting something cozy. Yeah. Yeah. I I just, I don't know what, what burst it. Like, like you'd have to have someone who, okay, this is a concept and they stick to the concept, but it, it feels the same way that when you have like um, Glee, yeah. you're going to have musical numbers, right? Um, and that's part of the, the it's part of the narrative. It's part of the show form, right. format. Positivity 
is part of the narrative and part of the show format <laughs> yeah. for Ted Lasso. It's that baked yeah. in, um, which is just really amazing um, because it does, as, as a regular viewer of shows like Barry, really does um, contrast because we see, you know, the dark side of things of like, you know, dystopian characters or like broken people. Yeah. And you have some of that in Ted Lasso too, but you don't see um, it taken from like, everything's from a positive perspective. There's, there's no like the undercurrent, there's not undercurrents of like cynicism, yeah. uh, which when you're watching a lot of shows like that, it, it kind of takes you back, you know? Um, it's like, you know, just getting slapped in the face, which, you know, is fun for people, and, you know, uh, and consenting adults, um, in that situation. But then someone gives you a hug and you're like, oh yeah, this is, this is nice yeah. too. Like this is, it, you just don't get it that often if you're used to that. So it's, um, yeah, there's no really show like that. And I'll say that, um, just like a musical, when you're watching a musical, you don't mistake it for reality. Like it's obviously there's a narrative thread here and the characters behave in a way that rings true for the world, but isn't like true to life narrative yeah. storytelling. Um, but neither, are, you know, neither are comic books, neither are other forms of narrative. Like you have a vehicle for telling a story, you use that vehicle and some, some of the stuff you like about the story are sort of the window dressings. Um, and sometimes it's just the window dressings that, uh, you know, give the story a little bit of shine or add, add to the charm. Um, so Ted Lasso is an interesting show. I can definitely recommend it. Um, there are instances or, uh, sections that I thought were, um, interesting. And, uh, there's some interesting characters. Um, when it gets a little bit too saturated, I'm like, mm, okay, all right. Well, I'm still in it. You know, I, I know what this is, this is about. I can't really fault it. You know, it's not changing its yeah. tone on me. It's staying true. Oh yeah. And like, itself. it seems like that's the type of property that you know, going in, it's going to be kind of cloy at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I had, I had no idea, you know, I just started watching it. Um, and, uh, you know, they take, uh, there's some darker themes in there, you know, about like uh, suicide and that kind of come up or, um, you know, uh, different familiar relationships and stuff, but it still generally has like a spin of, okay, like take this stuff and try to try to move it forward, try to have some, some positivity about it, you know, be constructive, you know, rather than watching these characters kind of destroy right. themselves. So it's a fun show. Um, there's a, I can't imagine what the writer's room like that is going to be, uh, would have been like, because for me to thread that, that line, you know, um, it would be incredibly difficult. If you're thinking about other stories or other ways you've approached it, there has to be someone kind of on team on staff probably multiple people that are like, Oh, Oh no, no, we can't do that. That's like outside of the tone of the show. Um, that doesn't really fit, but there's tonal changes and shifts in the show 
that generally do happen. Uh, like there's an episode with Beard, who was like Ted Lasso's right-hand man. This is generally a really entertaining episode because um, you don't really get to look into a lot with Beard um, and get to learn like a ton about him. Like right off the bat, he's always involved and sort of talking, you know, occasionally. Um, but, you know, he doesn't like, you don't know everything about him right off the bat. And so that episode's really entertaining to kind of follow him um, and just entertaining in general. So even with them saying, oh, we're not going to, we're going to still try to maintain this tone, they still manage to keep things interesting, um, I'll say. Um, so really, really impressed with that show. Yeah. Well, like just speaking to the writers room in there, I'm, I'm just looking at I don't know individual writers necessarily, but the people that developed it. Looks like he's based on a character that did spots on NBC Sports, but it's it, so Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt created the character and then Bill Lawrence mm -hmm. uh, helped develop it and for people who don't know who bill lawrence is he did uh he, he created and wrote for scrubs uh cougar town spin city like he's like it makes sense that the show has the tune that you're describing based on the people involved mm -hmm. at that level um, yeah 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 i mean even scrubs like that one doc is kind of an asshole um, yeah, but that that's also kind of a relentlessly um, toxically positive show in, in some respects, too. Oh, really? Yeah, I never really got into yeah. Scrubs. It was... Uh, the last season is just... It was... That, it's terrible. Like, it should have ended a season before, but... Okay. Yeah. That does make sense. Um, my wife said the same thing about another Game show. Thrones. She has what she told me. No, everybody <laughs> says that about Game of Thrones. I can't remember if it was Barry or not. Um, might have been something else. Uh, yeah, and so uh, Succession is the last little thing. We'll be watching that. I think that also had a... Um, it's supposed to have a series finale. I think that already came yeah, out. Yeah, I think that was this past weekend. Um yeah, but we're so I don't know what what corner of the internet talks about succession finales, but whatever it is, I'm not going to organically bump into it. <laughs> so I'm not worried about anything being spoiled for it. Um. So uh, yeah, that's an interesting show as well. That's um, oh, it's basically about the people who who run uh, Fox News, right? The, the News Corp. Yeah. Yes. Yes, the thing is though, I don't, I don't imagine anyone uh, actually involved in that who is, who has any any level of charm, sort of real people. <laughs> yeah, any sort of charm who aren't just like husks of capital yeah. making, uh, because the characters on Succession are genuinely interesting and they have different kind of yeah. motivations. They're um, full, complete people, not but it's, husks of capital leavings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're also very character typed, um, so they're like pointed yeah. characters, you know. So they have specific motivations, different kind of actions. Keep it interesting. Um, that show is like the um, 
like Game of Thrones, but just like the battle for the crown without all the dragons and all the other fighting. If you really boiled it down, most of that show from the outside, like if you just had to watch the helicopters lift off and lift yeah. lift down, it would just be people getting into helicopters or vehicles, driving one place, and then getting into other vehicles and then moving in another place. And then from the outside in, you're like, they're not doing anything, yeah. you know? <laughs> they're just... They're having these fights and complaining about things, but um, it's a lot like uh, if you if you ever watch the the West Wing, and you're like they're just they just walk the hallways a lot and talk. Like when do they <laughs> when do they do anything? <laughs> God damn, Aaron Sorkin. They have press conferences. So I'm sorry, Aaron Sorkin gets so much. Oh no, I hit the Sorkin button so on Zach. Much fucking credit <laughs> for developing urgency for characters on television. He mm-hmm. films people walking and talking. That's all that is. <laughs> it's not groundbreaking. Oh, the man. man's a fucking horrible cocaine addict and a monster, allegedly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. Throw that in there. Um, unless he just, uh, just so that he doesn't feel like making an example out of you. He just picks a random podcast yeah. out of a hat. Was my name mentioned? Did the, have the chatbots found that person? All right. Just uh, send them a, a draft legal copy, bury them in paperwork. Paperwork. Um, yeah, so Succession's entertaining. Um, we'll see how that uh, how that goes um, yeah. as far as its finale. I, I can't see that being too bad. I, after re-watching it a uh, second time, to my wife some of the episodes you can sort of see some of the pieces being moved especially the you know the father at the top and how he kind of plays people um around themselves uh really intelligently there's um one set of one little story arc where this um character ria um gets really cozy with, uh, you know, basically this Murdoch type, um, who's, you know, the main character in, in the show, um, main father character. And you can see afterwards, at least in my opinion, based on the interactions, um, he was looking for someone to, uh, take up like the mantle to be like CEO. Um, and there's kind of been kind of been talk about that for a little bit. And so she comes in, she's kind of outside the family. She smoozes and romances him a little bit, um, the father character. And the kids kind of rally around like stopping her. Um, but that really only sets up so that them individually and sort of also working together are trying to keep her from like getting the CEO position. Um, and so she also like tries to work their kids against each other, like just kind of talking to them and like psychologically like planting little seeds. Um, and so it ends up being that she ends up taking kind of the reins right before a really big scandal um, that there was undercurrents and chatter about, but that that the family was all aware of, but she wasn't 
right before this big scandal hits the company. And then she has to kind of be the face. And so his exchange with her afterwards is like, he's like, oh yeah, I'm really sorry. You know, as far as the father figure, you know, uh, you know, for this whole thing to kind of, um, you know, happen as soon as you're taking the reins and, um, you know, you can see he's kind of like playing it up and she's like, you know, I kind of feel like a prophylactic for this, uh, you know, this big, big mess that you're embroiled in now. And the way he sort of plays it, um, kind of coy and kind of mirthful and because of how he acts within other scenes and through the past couple episodes where like, he'll drop a seed to like his, his, one of his children that ends up motivating them to do a certain thing. And then he does that in another conversation with another child that ends up like motivating them to do a certain other thing that unbeknownst to like her and even the kids really, she was vying to get this position when all, all along, that's actually what he wanted. He wanted her to become the CEO so she could take the brunt of this really bad press. Um, and he knew that she would try to play uh, his kids against each other and also against him so that she could get this position of power. But he was also counterplaying his kids and them as like chess pieces to also distract her from like really doing any due diligence to see like what's going on with the company. You know, what potentially am I embroiling myself into? Cause she just has her eye on the prize like so strongly that that's all she has, you know, vision for. And then she's just so excited when she gets it. And then she realizes, Oh shit, I've been played. Um, I thought I was the one playing, but no, I was actually outplayed. Uh, by this this old you know whitehead bastard uh, who played his kids against me when I thought I was playing my his kids against him and also against each other and so to see that in retrospect um, I was like oh okay that's that's pretty smart writing um, and kind of interesting so that's that's a lot of the dynamic of the show um, so we'll see how that ends up whenever we get through I think the uh, this last season we have before we watch the final one okay well is that the last meeting me that's the last of the life i've been living (laughs) um you have a very rich life (laughs) that was not what (laughs) um yes very rich (laughs) the uh see i can't tell if you're you're uh messing with me or not And how long have you known me, Zach? Man, what a shame. No, um, what a shame. Yeah, so I guess uh, we should talk about the movie. Um, so some pre-production, or some, some, I guess, pre-roll information or whatever, is uh, came out in 2021, budget of $25 million with a box office of $42 million, um, which isn't great, but mm. it came out in 2021, so you know asterisk yeah. next to that um I, we were all those numbers have asterisks well, next like to them. we were talking before the show and um i'm shocked that this movie had as small a budget as it did um because 25 million mm-hmm. is i want to say at least 10 million less than resident evil had 20 years ago mm-hmm. so like they made that shit stretch um it also has a lower Rotten Tomatoes score 
<laughs> um, the first Resident Evil with uh, Mila Jovovich. Um, Rotten Tomatoes is a 30, Metacritic's 44, and then Cinema Score is C+. It's a shame. I feel like it's better than those numbers would indicate. Am I, am I like, way yeah. off base on that? Like... Yes and no. Um, I think you're like uh, the way the way the way Zach looks at movies um, is the way that uh, if you were uh, you know if you were stuck in prison for doing like horrible crimes, where do you just like mangled bodies? day after day for like three decades before they caught you. Uh, and then you finally got the medication that you needed to make the voices go away. And then you met uh, kind of the chaplain. You, that's how you'd want the chaplain to look at you. That's the way Zach work, looks All at right. these All right, now, to be movies. fair, this, this movie is not, um, like, as much as I am... This movie's not a mangled no, body it... killer. I can see, I can see the good bones that were there and really so, the, the good intentions. So I do like the games. I also like mm -hmm. the Mila Jovovich movies. I know that those are not beloved by the fans of the games. Oh my God. They're this, such trash. The first one's yeah, okay. The first one, yeah. Yeah. I think the first is probably the best of them. Um, the, yeah. this one though, like it's, it's better. Like I see why they changed certain things. Um, like I see why they sh decided to do the split between Spencer Mansion and the uh, police headquarters. Um, it mm -hmm. lets them touch on things from one and two because why well, I, I don't know why you would adapt sh sh like beat for beat the first Resident Evil game or the second Resident Evil game. Like there's there's too much there for a movie, <laughs> you know. No, that's not not really, not really though, because that. Well, I think what happens, at least for me, on the other side of that respect, is there's too much there for a movie taking elements from both games. It's it's overstuffed. It's uh, you know you know when you make a sandwich right and you put like meat inside there right. Uh, this is like um, two uh, two really long saltine yeah. crackers. And then you just have like everything that comes on like a triple decker foot long subway sub, like stuff's just spilling out of the sides and like the cracker can just barely contain this. Um, Cause there's some, there's some ideas here uh, that I don't necessarily disagree with for like the merging of the story. Um, but it's, What's really the saddest about it for me, watching, just talking about the merging, is that you can see that there was someone obviously thinking this through. Oh, yeah. Like, they, 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 they put their mind to it, and they were like, okay, how can we do this? How can we communicate well, this? And I, I can't really tell where that, that failed, like, exactly in each little respect, yeah. but I can, like, cite, like, examples of, Okay, this is why this didn't feel like this worked. For gotcha. Um, though I can see the good intentions well, yeah, behind like it. Yeah, like the and I was really excited in the run up to this movie because I remember reading. Um, I'd have to look 
probably on Wikipedia to track down the source. But the the director, um, mm -hmm. when he was brought on, like was very open about yeah, I'm I'm making this movie uh, in the same vein as as like uh, you know a John Carpenter movie specifically like halloween the fog and assault on precinct 13 and so when like you when you put those three movies together i feel like it's it's like yeah this is this is kind of in the same vein as those three movies um like i'm just to sit on that <laughs> one for a little bit yeah i mean because because by by um invoking kind of the definitely the slow the slow yeah, build up yeah because it is a very halloween slow for sure um the same thing with the fog the fog also has a slow yeah. build up yeah mm -hmm. but no i like i okay i, yeah, I, see, I, that. I see where he he drew that inspiration from um mm -hmm. that being said yeah like it is kind of a slow movie like i've seen this movie i think two or three times at this point and Mm -hmm. at some point i usually clock out and i'll like get it i'll feel my phone buzz in my pocket and i'll like get on my phone and play with my phone for 10 or 15 minutes and then look up and go oh right i had a movie going right yeah let me <laughs> sit here and mm -hmm. finish the rest of this um but yeah no like well and and i much prefer the direction that it ended up with because like i was you know and prepping this uh saw that you know way back when it first started in uh, 2017 because i think the last mila jovovich one um came out in 2016 ish um 2017 they wanted to reboot it and so they brought in james wan to produce um and had him work with a guy named greg russo who russo is like let me read off some of his his credits it's like Man, I wish I, I, I had his uh, <laughs> his work connection. So he he wrote the the last iteration of the Mortal Kombat movie. I had a fine time with it. I thought it was fun. Whatever. Not as good as the original. Eh. Um, he's going to be writing the Fear movie that's coming out for Sony. Um, he's writing... I didn't wow. know that they were doing this, but apparently Netflix is doing a sequel to that live action Death Note movie that sucked. Yes, you're hearing it Why? first from me. Why? That movie sucked. Why? <laughs> That's a movie Why? I can't excuse. Um, he's writing uh, Saints Row uh, to be directed by, or Saints Row adaptation to be directed by F. Gary Gray, um, who. I think he did Fast and the or he did Fast and the Furious Eight, I think, as well as some other seminal movies, uh, like exploitation type movies. Um, Space Invaders for New Line. Why is Space Invaders having a movie? What the fuck? <laughs> Can we have that mashup with uh, Battleship, please? That would I'd be pay for that. Fantastic. Um, um, they would be the battleships <laughs> would be turning their cannons um, upward. Yeah. <laughs> but he's also going to be the tv root showrunner for system shock on they're adapting system shock for binge which is a streaming service i've never heard of it only serves australia oh yeah yeah i don't know why he mm -hmm. would adapt system shock for that i had no idea it was that popular but um so he's basically playing around in, in video in, game world 
in times of yore in yeah. youth, uh, you'd, you'd be able to go to the Walmart and get like the three, two, four dollar yep. bins <laughs> of like either games or especially yep. movies. But he's going to like the two to three dollar bin of like game uh-huh. properties. So he's just like, ha, ha, system yes. shock. That one that people people know this name. No one's played they, it. Remember they played it <laughs> <laughs> in a long time. Um, um, wow. That's yeah, great. no, like it's, it's the career I wish I could have. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, his, his original idea to be fair was cool. So what he, he had, had intended to do and Juan was backing him up on this was to take things mm-hmm. from resident evil seven and basically treat it like a live action sequel to that game. Oh. So referencing things, Wait, no. so not, not like just... adapting that game, but taking things because they, oh. they would have had access to the, at that point, they would have had access to the finalized script for the game. And so his, his pitch mm. was to say, Hey, let's build this whole shit as a media property. Give me the stuff from your game that, oh, man. that you're going to reference or maybe even have small scenes in and I'll make a fucking movie around it. That's such a, you know what? That would have been spiritually such a great approach because that is exactly the kind of enema (laughs) that you want to release of just all that Mila Jovovich. And her, I actually don't have a problem with her. Um, There's no hate. Uh, She just happens to be the face of the movies. Uh, Everything I've seen her in, she's fine. She's great. The fact that she can commit to the scenes that she has yeah. to commit to and like is there for it totally yeah. fine right um so when i say those movies i just mean kind of that whole line no hate really directed yeah. at her um because i'm not some kind of misanthropic <laughs> weird incel with a youtube channel <laughs> yeah god you ruined all the films yeah um, okay um so that would have felt like such a cleanse in the same way that seven yeah. was for like all that weight yeah. that had come up, like all this action oriented. Cause that's exactly what the movies did. Like the movies ran yeah. off of, okay, something a little spooky. Uh, but then they were just like, no, just up the right. action. That's what people are here for. Yeah. Um, so to me, that would have felt like such a refreshing way to come at it again. Um, wow. Yeah. No, yeah. like, that's, that. to me that it's like that's that's fantastic that's a great idea to tie these properties together that they can build mm-hmm. on in the future um the production company killed that idea because at the time they didn't know if the game would be a flop or not so why make a live action sequel to a game that's going to flop which i can kind of see but Seven had a run up for about a year where it like they were telegraphing mm-hmm. what they were going to do and that it was going to be a significant change. And people were excited. And, I, I that you would have taken the pulse of the fan base. We yeah, were there for it. I was like, so there. I mean, for seven. I, I can see on one hand producers being nervous, but on the other hand, it's like, well, then like it doesn't seem like you're paying attention to what the property is doing if if that's the case yeah so what they yeah who who has a pulse in the fans other than 
but yeah, you know, Capcom but ostensibly. Listen to what they wanted to, them to do, and this is what caused both uh, Greg Russo and James Wan reportedly to leave. They were like, "I don't know how to incorporate this." Um, the ask that the studio made was that they wanted a time travel component in the movie. So <laughs> what? Okay. So they shot down a perfectly reasonable and good idea to go, hey, all this stuff that they're leaving in this original game, let's take the scraps of it, make a story out of it that expands on the universe, mm-hmm. let's move the story forward a little bit. And they go, nah, nah, you know what we're going to do instead? Time travel. It's like, all right, deuces. <laughs> deuces. I mean, Joe, Joe Valentine... <laughs> As a time cop would be hilarious. <laughs> Stealing people's sandwiches and shit. <laughs> yeah. Let her meet uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, um, but then also meet yeah. the alternate version of him that's Guile. And let's unite the Capcom first. Yeah. But, um, we'll have time cop and Guile in the same movie. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but yeah, no, so yeah, like 2018 is when they bring in Johannes Roberts, who ended up directing it. Um and like I said, he he was very open about taking inspiration from Carpenter's those that, that trilogy of or not it's not a trilogy of movies, but that trifecta of movies, um, which again I can see the thumbprint on. Like you have the weird creeping dread of being watched from Halloween. Uh, you have this this oppressive atmosphere of just being completely surrounded from both the fog and assault on precinct 13 um and it works for both like the fog obviously there's more of that feeling in the spencer mansion and more of the assault on precinct 13 in the police headquarters for obvious reasons (laughs) um but yeah that that weird creeping sense of of dread just permeates the movie because you know, it's a company town. It's set in a company town that's dying, which I think is probably one of the more realistic and interesting takes on Raccoon City. Because, like, we've seen it as a company town before, but we always see it as mm. this, like, bustling metropolis that's also not a metropolis because it's set in, like, a mountainous valley region that's hard to reach mm-hmm. <laughs> by road. Yeah it's 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 a weird like i don't know if it like maybe the japanese think that raccoon city is kind of like a colorado town where it's like set. yeah it's supposed to be after denver colorado yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. oh it their, was originally yeah. based on okay. yeah that's that was their idea like let's take denver colorado for whatever <laughs> reason and uh let's let's make that huh okay well um i'm glad i picked up on that then <laughs> but um yeah no it's it's um it's interesting to see it painted as like less less out west and more like the realities of towns like you know akron or detroit where it's like yeah umbrella is the reason for this town we're all gone there's like nothing but cops Mm -hmm. and people that work like like service industry jobs like the lady in the diner yeah. <laughs> that are still here. No one else is here. Yeah. And, and there's, there's so much 
promising elements. Uh, it it really does feel though like um, like an overstuffed sandwich <laughs> for me because there's that which you can get a hint of, like you get a flavor for it, but it, it, there's not really time to explore that. Um, if you wanted to yeah. explore that. Uh, but I think another thing that the movie has to try to straddle, which it is something that the series itself has struggled with too, is okay. What's the balance of terror to action? Um, and I, don't quite think they had that balance evenly addressed. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't like there's, really there... evenly address it, though. Because, like, I would, like, my answer to that would be if 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 I were making this and, you know, is is say, yeah, if, if, we're, if we're doing this movie as written, amp up the terror in the mansion, amp up the action in the police headquarters. Um, mm. Cause I mean, that fits the tone of the, the games. Yeah. I'd say though, with, with one, if we're going to go between each of the games and, and kind of the yeah. balance two is more, um, a little more action, but even in the original game, as like a first time player, not someone who's trying to speed run it. Uh, there's still like imposing situations. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Um, and you you do feel fear, especially now in in the remake. Um, fear is is definitely a component. As, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, as, um, like still Mr. X it, is like, but we're going to lean more heavily on this aspect for these these locations. Yeah, um, yeah. So so I can see the stuff like if you're going to, and that's to me like the tonal, the tonal imbalance results from like how many different kind of elements you're trying to bring in. Um, Halloween has the slow build and then you have some terror. You have a slow ish build here. Um, the terror never really gets built. Um, yeah, that is the problem. And then I think, yeah, with this one. And I think part of that too is, they didn't want to, and I respect them because they're like, oh, okay, well, what would the fans want? Well, the fans want, um, the fans want all their favorite characters here, right? The whole cast is here, but that also means it's just, there's not really enough time to focus on anybody. And so you have Wesker who could have been uh, sort of interesting and oh, okay. That's a different take on his motivations. I liked the you take have Jill. on it, especially given the setting the, of this town is dying. It was an interesting take. Um, it yeah. completely yeah. makes sense that he would be like, yeah, these motherfuckers are paying me a lot of money to just like grab some shit in the secret room and hand it to him. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it makes more sense than, you know, him being a theatric villain. It makes more sense who... than him being a clone, a, a super soldier clone of a guy <laughs> that was yes. mined from, from yeah. the genetic material of a plant somewhere in, in the dark heart of Africa or wherever. Which you could do if you want to just <laughs> keep on going with it. Um, and the thing about it is, too, is if, if you think about the source yeah. material, um, 
I play a Resident Evil game, the way I would uh, ride um, like a carnival ride, or even more so like a like a uh, like a haunted mansion. Yeah. Like how I'd go through like a haunted mansion. Like I'm going to be invested emotionally in what's there, but I'm I'm here to have fun, you know. And this is going to be fun. Um, there's different kinds of haunted mansions. And so sometimes the tone is a little more comical. Oh, shit. Oh, sorry. Dog got in nope. real quick. Um, sometimes the uh, tone is more comical and sometimes it's, um, you know, uh, more intense. You know, you got some guy with a dull chainsaw, you know, just revving it off. <laughs> uh, come, coming pretty close, you can smell the fumes. So for me, tonally... Uh, with all the characters and I don't know it in I could see what they were trying to do with a lot of things so like um, Chris and and Claire's parental figure being like the scientist and then they also have like the orphanage which is you know a direct kind of thing that was really highlighted in the um, the second game you know the remake um but then it's like okay i don't i don't know like at part of that i feel like is budget and part of that is like they had an idea of what they were trying to do and it's just there's just too much for me because you can make that orphanage really scary and like get on the lisa element and okay make that like a central part of there but it's more like it's more than like a remember berry you know, to borrow that term for it's more than that because you can see there's more put into it, but it doesn't get enough room to kind of stretch to really make impact. And with a film that has such a small budget, you can see the Lisa costume and outfit is like, they put effort into that. You know, it's not super high def, like a hundred percent realistic, but you can see what they were trying to do. The same thing with the police department, uh, the same thing with the train at the end, like someone obviously referenced the train and how it looks at the end yep. of the second game. Um, and so there's a lot of that there. Um, the first step into the mansion. Um, but it's it just uh, none of it gets enough time to kind of sink in. So we stop at the mansion. We have a little bit of like horror stuff there. Um, and then we got to we got to keep on going. And so it's, I, I, I don't know, it's, I'm not really angry at the film or like angry at the movie. It's more just like, I can see what they were trying to yeah, do. Yeah, and I mean, um, like what you're describing to me sounds more like, like a better adaptation would, would be like a, uh, like an extended television show, right? Yeah, potentially. Uh, yeah. Rather than mm-hmm. movies, but I, they tried a television show and no one watched it, even though it was, it was good and it moved the story forward. It, we, it, we're no the, longer in 1995. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I applaud yeah. that effort. Um, and my wife and I didn't finish the show. I, the first couple episodes, I was really yeah. into it. Um, it, it kind of plummets there towards was... the end. Like, cause it's only like, eight episodes i think so by like episode six it starts to kind of dip in quality um 
mm-hmm. but it maintains for those first six, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I may have to finish that some other time just to see what um, they ended up doing. It is as sad as a uh, as as a fan of the franchise. And the part of it is, though, like, um, I don't even know what, and maybe that's part of the difficulty. I don't even know what I want out of a Resident Evil film or TV adaptation. Yeah, I think that's the problem, especially with, like, video game adaptations, is that, like, Mm -hmm. like, this one, this one is, is about as, about as good faith an attempt as I think you'll see them try to make for a video game mm-hmm. adaptation film around Resident Evil. Um, I, and, you know, I, I don't think it gave enough return to justify that. Like, it... I, I don't know what their advertising budget was. Um, typically, movies get, like, 200% of their actual budget. So that, that would mean that they've what they 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 sunk 75 million dollars into this this project and they got 42 back yeah um 42 Um, that's split between production companies and the uh nato the national association of theater owners so i I, I think that given the box office returns of the Mila Jovovich movies, I think you're going to see a return to that. Because, um, oh, I, mean, I mean, just in terms of, of what they get for what they invest, um, this movie, like as much as I like the Mila Jovovich ones, like to me, this is a better adaptation of that game as a film mm-hmm. than the Jovovich films. Or I guess... I, I guess we should say W.S. Anderson films. Um, but those movies are just so comical. They, yeah. um, I mean, they're fun. Like they're, they're, popular. Like, you know, they're, they're not like great adaptations. And I think that's why people like it is because they can go in and not know any lore. But like with this, you know, being confronted with like Lisa Trevor and that whole thing, it's like, Oh, you're just not gonna. Okay. <laughs> yeah there's not enough time um you know and the thing is too like if if you're gonna do that like that whole story through the first game kind of gets put like little by little right like you hear about the experiments you hear about stuff happening and then you meet lisa and you're like oh shit um and especially in the remake of of one which is i think really where everybody should start uh you know she uh like hits you in the head and then your character like wakes up and you're like in some place and you're like where am i and you're trying to get out and then you bump into lisa again and you're terrified um i gotta be honest like character wise like if it were me i would have left out that post credit or mid credit scene with wesker where where he meets ada and she like uh-huh. tosses him his glasses and he catches them and he puts them on and all that's it's like wait a minute like this none of that <laughs> led up to the scene in this movie you you didn't have to do any of 
<laughs> Why did you put that in here? <laughs> oh, my God. That scene. That and previously, scene. like I said, oh, I liked that... what they were doing with Wesker's storyline. It it makes more sense. It doesn't come off as gonzo, weird-ass Japanese video game logic. <laughs> it's, yeah. oh, yeah, this guy's going to lose his job. Um, of course he's going to grab some shit at a mansion for someone if he, there's an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, tonally there's a... And even, yeah, the Resident Evil move games are, like, tonally a yeah. mismatch, like an interpretation of you know, culture at the time, like films at the time. Yeah. Plots at the time, um, influences. Um, so I, I don't even know if, so like seven, I feel why, why I was excited about that is the seven is tonally has a very specific feel. Um, there's horror elements, but there's also like, a comedic like evil dead sort of arc uh to seven with the character like just okay fuck this fuck this guy um and you know oh of course this is gonna happen i'm gonna get sucked into this this uh this area here and have to fight some big giant gooey monster creature thing um and so tonally that feels like it knows where it's at um so i feel like experience like that would translate better to a film whereas uh one is like what are you gonna do like you're gonna have spooky traps in the mansion and like them solve puzzles and <laughs> it it ends up being weird because it is weird yeah. um but as a game mechanic it works um but as like a film mechanic, it is weird that he's looking at his Palm Pilot and getting told that these are the, the keys he has to press. Um, 1995, so baby. <laughs> it's yeah. hard, you know. It's, it's and so I can see they tried to do something that um, you know to capture the spirit of something that isn't even really self consistent. Yeah. Um, like you'll have articles and notebooks and stuff that are scary within like one or two, and then you'll be battling this giant spider creature or this giant snake creature, um, which, so as a filmmaker, um, what do you do with that? I, because well, it is like a. It is like a carnival ride for me. It, and as far as like the monsters, it's like a carnival ride and like a haunted haunted mansion, haunted house kind of thing. You know... No one takes the snake fight I'm, seriously. Well, I'm curious know? what would happen um, if someone were to release a video game accurate version of Resident <laughs> Evil. I'm curious what the response in the fandom would be because it's like, wait, no, this is what you wanted, right? You wanted to see them fuck around with spade keys and diamond doors, right? <laughs> you wanted a giant yeah. snake fight. <laughs> yeah. So, so as a fan, like, um, the remember berries, like they talk about, uh, you know, getting swallowed by a giant snake and I'm like, ha ha, I get it. It's a reference to the, yeah you know, the giant snake 
in, in the first right. game. Um, so, yeah. Um, I don't know how you do it uh, tonally with with the first and second game. Because um, stuff just doesn't make sense, yeah. you know? Um, but from a game mechanic, it's is it fun, you know? Yeah. Is this fun? You know, am I having fun now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that's good. That works. Well, and I mean, yeah, like um, I, I think it's just generally an exceedingly difficult prospect for people to adapt games that have more of a gamey component. Because, like, everyone loves The Last of Us show. My biggest complaint mm-hmm. with that game is that I don't feel like it's a game. I feel like it's an interactive movie. <laughs> um, which means it's fine. It's great as an adaptation. Like, it's easily adaptable, mm-hmm. and it's great in that regard. Um, whereas... Definitely easier. Yeah, like, you mm-hmm. look at games like Assassin's Creed. It's just open world. Anywhere you want to go, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's, it's all, like, gamey shit, and it's a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. And so, I think Resident Evil falls into that exactly like you were saying is that that like it's yeah. it's a game ass game. It's not <laughs> it's not it, it's very difficult to translate that and maintain consistency and tone. Especially um, with seven and eight, both follow a narrative of like a central mm-hmm. character, and that's that's the motivation for like moving you from one place yeah. to the other. That's already a more, you know, a narrative kind of yeah. path, you know, it in order to translate into like a film yeah. format. Okay, that makes that makes sense because as long as I'm connected to this character, crazy shit can happen. You know, that's that's uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland. You know, that's Wizard of Oz. As long as I'm connected to this character, crazy stuff can happen. But I'm still I'm yeah. still in. You know. Um, but uh, you don't really have that with one. Um, maybe you could do that with two, especially with the, the remake and the direction that it had. Um, you know, the scene with uh, Martin in the second uh, remake, like you feel that connection there uh, because it's just well voice acted. It's well kind of set up. Um, but there's still gamey ass game shit that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, is he really going to be like trapped inside and trying to find a secret path outside of the, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> and I feel like the puzzle element challenges it too. Cause it's like Moncalo, the movie, watch the pieces move around, you know, it's like coming soon. Hi ho cheerio. <laughs> yeah. I mean, pick up sticks you know um in a world where you have to pick up these sticks before the ball bounces um man the movie so it just on pick uh, up sticks difficult. would have to be something like hunger games right like pick up sticks is this like battle to the death <laughs> yeah you stab the other person in the in the order with the stick that's how you win um but yeah, no, like I mean, and I mean, honestly, I'm I'm really 
very surprised. I mean, I'm not shocked, but but it's still very surprising that someone hears the pitch. Yeah, let's build on the movie property or the build on the 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 brand or the property that we're working in. Yeah. Because it's just them giving us free content to work with. If we paste in those cracks, it helps their game. And it gives us stuff to yeah. write about. Um, yeah, maybe, especially with Lisa and some of the other stuff, maybe some of the impetus was, okay, let's take all like the narrative yeah. nuggets and try to weave them into the story. So like Wesker's betrayal is like a part of the narrative in one Lisa. Um, so let's have these things and let's try to use these to like connect the dots over there. And maybe there's a world where that yeah. works, you know, where maybe there's an alternate universe where this movie came out really, really good. And right now they're on, they're in the middle of developing like resident evil three <laughs> and <laughs> They have the the uh, Resident Evil universe has now been officially launched or some <laughs> shit, uh, but this is not that world. And uh, so, a good attempt. I mean, attempt. it's it's like you said, it's a slow burn. Um, I feel like it's a a decent and good faith attempt to to capture the feel of the games at the very least. Yeah, you can see what they were uh, trying to do. The um, it's not yep. this off the wall, out of nowhere. Like, hey, man, you want to talk about clones? <laughs> Every time I, I see a scene from one of the those movies uh, and later movies, it's like those fake movies that show that show up in other movies <laughs> that are just like so over yeah. the top, and they're playing it up like, oh yeah, this would never happen, you know, like Last Action yeah. Hero. Um, it's like the in movie sections of that, <laughs> and having to watch that, and it's just like, was there no one in the room other than Wes Anderson? And his penis in a camera, like W.S. Anderson. He's, he's Wes Anderson would have made a very W.S. Different... Anderson. <laughs> Resident Evil. That would have been great. These um, sixteen quirky characters meet underground. <laughs> yeah. Wes Wes Craven Anderson. I, uh, I know what I'm going to do in Chat GPT when we uh, <laughs> when we get off. I'll send don't, you the results. Don't do a mashup with Wes with Wes Anderson. <laughs> It's been done so oh, often. <laughs> I am, yeah, I've seen a lot. A lot of, I saw a shoe that's supposed to be like, oh, this is what a Nike shoe would look like if Wes Anderson designed it. And I was like, okay. Lots of corduroy and crushed nice. velvet, I'm imagining. Yes, it's, it's really beautiful. Thank you. Um, well, with that, our um, our service that we're moving away from is yelling at us about having three minutes remaining. <laughs> oh yeah, I was wondering if that connection they would uh, keep track of it, and they did. Oh, they did. Okay, that's great. Yep. Oh. So my timer says one thirty six. That's what I'm saying. Oh, mine says one fifty seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that little break broke it for me, but it's, they're still taking it. Oh, working, you know. well, shit. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, see, see you, ya. folks. Bye. Bye.